0: Tonight, here at uh, Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue through our, our Bible teaching. And tonight's message is on the book of 1 Timothy. Paul spent many years traveling. You know, he's planning churches all over the place. You know, and he's starting these new churches and he's developing, you know, a large team of co workers. You know, some of these, as we see in the Bible, we see Barnabas, we see Silas, we see Timothy. You know, and. Uh, these are just a few. Paul was in the city of Lystra, and he met Timothy's faithful mother and grandmother. And he was impressed by Timothy's devotion and passion to Jesus. So Paul mentioned him for many years, eventually started sending him on missions to to different churches. So when Paul got word of a group of leaders that had infiltrated one of the influential churches of that day in Ephesus, and they were spreading incorrect views about Jesus and, this, you know, and what it meant to follow Him. So Paul sent Timothy to confront these leaders and restore order to his church. So after Timothy arrived, Paul sent this letter to follow him up to instruct him on how to fulfill his mission. So Paul addresses, you know, their strange teaching about certain areas of the Torah. Specifically, they were using early stories to and genealogies out of the Book of Genesis and developed some strange teachings about food, marriage, and sex that weren't consistent with the teachings of Jesus. or the apostles so this explains how these teachings divided the church and generated controversy paul states this actually pretty clear as he's teaching you know and there's this this distorted teaching you know the genuine christian teachings that they if they don't fulfill what jesus is calling us to they bring a lot of confusion they bring you know a split in the church they bring Brokenness. They bring, you know, people falling away. But when the real gospel is, is being preached, people receive love and they receive hope and they receive a genuine faith. So Paul goes on to state that the purpose of the Torah isn't to, to find speculation, it's rather the purpose is to expose the truth about the human condition of sin. And the true teaching of the Torah will reveal the grace of God found in the coming Messiah who will come to save the sinful and broken people that it points and honors to King Jesus. And Paul is telling Timothy to shut down these men and these false teachings because Paul continues to address specific problems caused by their false teachings. Paul calls Timothy to hold regular church prayer gatherings to pray for these You know, the governing leaders of Rome and to bring peace into the church because, and peace into the land. Because peace creates this ideal setting for Jesus' followers to travel and keep spreading the gospel and teaching about God's good news, the peace that's in Jesus Christ. You know, who wants all of these people to know Him and to be saved? that he gave his life as a ransom for all, that in contrast to these false teachers who are trying to put legalism and, and and put restrictions and put rules on people, that Paul reminds Timothy that God wants us to re- rescue the whole world and that we are to pray and to keep this in the front of our minds. <clears throat> um. You know, there's a few of us that have been talking about prayer. I know that it's been brought up several times, you know, in the months in the past, and trying to bring a moment in, in my schedule that's going to bring the freedom to, to have a prayer meeting throughout the week. But I believe that things, you know, are in such a dire place that we need to start praying more. You know, not only about our lives, but about the church, about leadership. Because, you know, for us to grow as individuals, we need to be in prayer. For us to grow as individuals, we need to be in relationship with Jesus. For us to grow as a ministry, we need to be in prayer. For us to grow as a ministry, we need to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and I know that there's been several of you that said, hey, you know, let's do a prayer meeting. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. And then Tom's like, man, I'm busy. So starting in September, I'm going to carve out time. Um, I'm hoping that maybe Thursday nights, I got to talk to the powers that be and see if we can have it here. You know, and we're just going to come and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for this ministry. We're going to see what God wants to do. We're going to let the Holy Spirit, you know, have His way, you know, and not get weird in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, and um, for anybody that wants to come out, we'll, we'll have that. We'll be announcing it more. Um, I know that some of you have been praying for this to actually happen, <laughs> you know, and um We were attempting to do it around the turn of the year, but it it didn't, the, the timing wasn't the greatest for me. You know, but I think that with everything that's starting to take place and, you know, doors being open and potential for GZM to start having more influence, you know, I think that it's extremely important that we take heed to what Paul is saying that we need to be praying for the church. You know, I don't think that it's a coincidence that, you know, uh, a conversation that I had this week about this very thing and then it happens to pop up in the the, the teaching that what's the, the chances? You know, is it a coincidence or is God trying to get not only my attention but our attention? You know, so please pray for that. Um, please pray for us to, to be able to have a, a night of intercession and prayer, you know, and <clears throat> who knows, we might throw some worship in there just for fun. But, um, if you're interested in that i'm hoping that thursday night will work you know and uh we'll see what god wants to do amen but you know as paul begins to address these problems related to you know some of the men and the women in the church you know that they are being influential in a negative way that these corrupt leaders You know, Paul is trying to use Timothy to shut them down so that they don't continue to to draw people away or to influence them or to split that church in Ephesus. You know, and, you know, they, they would get into these angry theological debates. You know, and, you know, I see Christians today that argue about what they believe with other Christians. That I believe this, well, I don't believe that, and I believe this, and well, this scripture says this, and this scripture says that, and they're just kind of yelling at each other. You know, there's whole Facebook pages set up to these people so they can argue with each other. You know, and I just don't see that that is really God to me. You know, and you know the thing that I've always said to myself and to other people is they try to to argue with other people as they're trying to teach them the truth. What's the fruit that comes from it? Normally, I'm getting disturbed. Normally, I'm getting angry. Normally, I'm getting afraid. Normally, I'm being accusatory to somebody else. That none of those things to me represent Jesus very well. You know, so we can sit around and debate theology, but if we're getting into heated arguments, then that's not where Jesus is, in my opinion. That. I don't think that I have ever argued someone into a deeper understanding of Jesus Christ. It's not possible. I don't think that Jesus ever argued with anybody either. You know, when people tried to argue with him, he didn't say much. Or anything at all. You know, and I think that more is done by the way we live. You know, and that as we represent Jesus to the best of our ability, that people will be confused by our actions. And they'll, you know, not want to, you know, continue in their own lifestyles. You know, that, you know, I know when I was in sin, anybody that talked to me about Jesus used to re- really make me angry because I didn't want to face the fact that, you know, there was someone that wanted to forgive me of my sins. But when I'm in sin, I don't want to recognize that I'm actually sinning. I just want to continue to, to live in the way that I'm living. But Paul is trying to shut down these men who are influencing people in a negative way, even though they're arguing with each other about Jesus, <clears throat> you know, and their theological debates, you know. He's he's trying to shut down these false teachers, you know. And he, and it's funny because I see Paul's sarcasm, you know, so many different places as I read through the, the New Testament. And instead of arguing, Paul says, well, why don't you pray about that? You know, you guys should learn to pray and not speak. You know, and it's funny to me, because, you know, here they are trying to be all proud of and uh, how much they know. And Paul's kind of basically saying, you don't even know Jesus. Why don't you talk to him and see what he's got to say? You know, and if he continues to, to confront people there was a group of wealthy women in the church, you know, and they were treating Sunday like a fashion show. You know, and they were dressing with such upscale that it put shame to most people because they were dressing with such, you know, you know, rich dresses and, and expensive dresses and, and having all this jewelry and everything else. You know, and that he's basically tell them, you know, that that's not how you impress God. You know, it's our modesty that it trusts God. God sees our hearts. You know, <clears throat> you know, and some of these women were, you know, trying to take control, you know, because of their money, because of their influence. They thought they could just take over in certain ways and take over leadership positions in the church. You know, and these they were teaching these bad theology that they most likely got from these other corrupt leaders. So there was a lot of craziness going on in this church at this time, and that's why Paul had sent Timothy back into you know, Ephesus to try to bring some correction. So Paul starts to shut down these women, and he says that they shouldn't teach or lead in the church. And he goes on to explore the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent. <clears throat> so now this is one of these sections that you know brings a lot of controversy. You know, and I'm going to discuss it from a couple different avenues, and some of you are probably not going to like some of the things I have to say. And you know what? It's okay. Some think that Paul is prohibiting women to ever teach in the church. In any church or leadership setting, that no women should ever have anything to say. And he uses the Adam and Eve, that the women are the ones that got, you know, uh, deceived by the serpent. And God has ordered that only men should lead in the church, and there is no other way. And there is a lot of people that take this stance. Two, Paul is prohibiting women from having any leadership authority over men, but with education women can teach as leaders under a male authority or leadership. And there are still others that don't like that either. And then there's a third that Paul is just prohibiting these specific women not to be speaking in emphasis. You know, that they're not to be teaching. And Paul, you know, uses the Adam and Eve story as a comparison you know that how these women have been deceived by false teachers as eve was de- deceived by the serpent now <clears throat> you know each one of us is going to have our own convictions with this you know and some people are, are going to you know go up in an uproar over you know women having leadership positions or teaching positions in any sort of church but all i can share is my personal testimony with this you know, is that I was first discipled by a woman. And that if that woman didn't pour into my life in that time in my life and and speak truth to me, most likely I would have never been saved. And I know specifically that I would have never let a man speak to me the way this woman spoke to me. It just never was gonna happen. That she spoke hard truths into my life and she you know, we would have debates. <laughs> She wouldn't shy away from speaking truth, you know, and it was very important for her to, to have this role in my life in that time. So if no woman was ever to teach, then, and no woman was to ever have a voice, I wouldn't be here. Also, in that time in my life, I started meeting with Pastor Judy. You know, that she does counseling in the church. And that, you know, sitting in that, you know, counseling room with her and seeing what she's been through and, and the life that she lived and the person that she is today, that it gave me hope. That if God could set her free of everything that she's been through, that he could also set me free. You know, so here's two women in the, my early stages of my salvation that played a huge part in me finding Jesus. Third, Joyce Myers. Some people have a hard time with Joyce Myers and, and they don't like her and she shouldn't be speaking. But in all honesty, there's not one human being in all of time except for Jesus Christ that's been more influential for the gospel of Jesus Christ. She's speaking in over 270 countries that she's on radio stations and TV stations in multiple different languages. She's got nearly a 100 books written for people to help them find freedom in Christ. You know, And if we weren't to take her and sh- shut her down because she's a woman, honestly, I think that that would be a disgrace to Jesus. Now, this is my opinion. And you can take it for what it's worth, and you can stick to whatever belief that you want. But I believe that women have a powerful influence in the church. Now, the largest church in the world is in South Korea. And the pastor of that church is Young E. Cho. And he uses women to lead basically all of his small groups. Because women will serve, women are hospitable, women are teachable, where men are prideful and arrogant and they want to have leadership positions where women just want to serve Jesus. And in that culture, it's hard for him to get a man to serve when women are so freely willing to do it. And because he's used this model of allowing women to serve, his church has grown to be the largest church in the world. Now, once again, that we can say women should never have any sort of leadership position, women should never have any teaching position, but yet once again, the most influential Christian walking the earth today is a woman the largest church in the world besides the head pastor is run by women and yet here we are we having debates where women should have any sort of influence at all me personally i watch jesus restoring the role of a woman all throughout the new testament that he begins to go to women He begins to teach women. He begins to reach out to women when a rabbi or a leader in any level should not have any sort of communication or influence on women on any level. So I see Jesus breaking the rules. So if Jesus is breaking the rules that we we set in place with such... You know, hard conviction that these things are written in stone. And I think that, you know, Jesus is restoring the role of a woman all throughout the Old Testament. You know, that they're put down and they're not used, but yet there's some very influential women throughout the Old Testament. Now how can we say that women should not be any sort of a teacher or a ruler when God used Deborah as a judge? that she ruled all of Israel pre-Jesus. So if pre-Jesus we have women in leadership, how much post-Jesus should we have women in leadership? Now, once again, this is your conviction. I don't have a conviction in this area. I believe that women should have a bigger role because they're willing to, to serve Jesus. You know, most prayer meetings that I have ever been to are 90% women. Men just don't come. Now, that is what that is. You know, and I know for me that my life would not be the way it is if I didn't have women influencing me and teaching me to tr- become the man that I am. Now, should a man be the head? Well, Christ is the head, so yeah, I guess so. But you know what? I see Joyce Myers as a voice, but yet she's under the, the covering of her husband. You know what I mean? So, yes, I see some order in this. I don't think that we should just run around you know, and do whatever we want because we think we can do whatever we want. I, I still think that it's very important that we stick to Scripture. But yet, <clears throat> Paul goes on to honor women who are running different churches. You know, Priscilla is one of them. You know, that uh, Phoebe is another one. Junia is another one. That he begins to mention them in other letters that Paul has written as that they are influential in their city. And he starts this book with honoring Timothy's mother and grandmother. That it's because of their faith and their teaching Timothy that he has a passion for Jesus. Now, where's the man in that story? I do not know. He's not mentioned. Timothy's father's not mentioned. Timothy's grandfather's not mentioned. Maybe they're not saved yet. I don't know. They're just not mentioned. We don't have any backstory to that. However, we have Paul writing and elevating, exalting Timothy's mother and grandma. So this is one of those things that you're going to have to have your own conviction in. I don't personally have a conviction and we can go back to the beginning of the story and we can have arguments about it. Or we can pray and see what God wants to do. Amen. But I believe that women have a, this ability to reach in and speak into, you know, people's lives different than a man can. You know that I know for me, because of my father wounds, I would have never let a man speak to me that, that way that that woman spoke to me many years ago. And I've watched in GZM as I'm trying to help people and they just resist me. You know, and yet a woman will come along and speak into that situation and things begin to shift. I'm like, okay. All right. All right, Jesus. I see what you're doing. You know, I think that it's important that we're all covered. You know, GZM is under the cover of Redeemer. You know, I'm a pastor in Redeemer, but I'm under the cover of Pastor Mike. You know, I, I think that it's important that our leadership is put in its proper place. You know, but <clears throat> I was just in Massachusetts speaking at a church who the main pastor is a woman. And she has a board and she has an eldership and there's men and women on that board. But you know what she's doing? She missions into the inner city of Haverhill, Massachusetts when no man is willing to do it. That she's reaching into the homeless. She's reaching into the, the, you know, the families that are broken. And she's trying to bring life and she's trying to bring food into situations that no one else is doing. You know, and when she first originally started doing that 25 years ago, she was kicked out of her church because they didn't want homeless people in her church. And she said, bye. And she began to hit the streets and she began to walk through that city praying. You know, 25 years later, she has her own church. What's happening, you know, soon is that they're planting a new church. And that she will be the lead pastor of two churches in that city when no one else wants to touch the homeless community or the poor. Now, are there other churches in that area? Are there other churches doing good works in that area? Absolutely. But she's at the front line. Where is everyone else? I don't know. So should we tell her, no, she shouldn't help people because she's a woman? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that if we want to serve Jesus and we're willing to serve Jesus, you know, as the disciples came back to Jesus and we said, we shut those people down that they were talking about, you know, they were talking about the gospel and Jesus tells them, let the gospel be preached. So once again, you're going to have to, to fight your own convictions in this and you're going to take a stance in this. And I get it. I absolutely get it. But where I stand, is that if somebody has a deep relationship with Jesus and they're being influenced by the Word of God and they're living accordingly and they want to help other people find Jesus and live accordingly, I'm all for it. I'm all for other people finding Jesus and finding freedom in Christ. I will never tell a woman that she can't do that. I just don't... I'm not convicted in that way. I'm actually all about it. I'll be their biggest cheerleader. Standing behind them, if I'm their covering, so be it. You know. You know, and some people won't like that, and it's okay. You know, but I would rather see people set free in Christ than have a debate whether a man or woman should be able to are the ones that are actually setting the person free in Christ, whether it's a man or a woman. And that's just my belief system. You know. You know, I think that it should be done in order. I think there should be a covering. I think that there should be, you know, the word of God should be, you know, but I also see where Paul is writing and honoring women. I see Jesus honoring women. So we take one scripture or two scriptures out of the entire Bible that says women shouldn't have a voice and we make that the major doctrine. But yet we negate how Jesus is using women, that they're the the lead churches, you know, the lead small groups, the lead churches, the lead home churches, as Jesus is, you know, starting his ministry, are all in women's houses. And yet he's honoring the woman, but you never hear him mention the man of that household. Why is that? Where is he? Maybe he's not saved yet. You don't know. There's no backstory to it. So. That being said i'm sure I've upset a few of you, but it's okay. Paul continues to address you know this leadership crisis that is in this church. you know you know he wants to appoint husbands and fathers, so once again we we see this leadership structure that that Paul has got in place, so if the leadership structure is in place, can a wife or a mother be influential? Sure. I think so. You know, so he, he wants to commission husbands and fathers to act like elders or overseers. For the church, That these should you know, be men of outstanding character and integrity and purity. You know, and they should come alongside of deacons. You know, and this is, is funny to me as I'm studying this, is that so many people will appoint themselves to deacon, right? But the word in Greek means servant. Hmm, interesting. I want to elevate myself to a deacon, which is Jesus' kingdom that's upside down, which means that now you're a servant. But so often the deacons don't really serve, they just have a, a name badge. But anyway. Side note: That Christ is calling us to serve. That He didn't come to condemn the world; He came to serve the world. One of His final acts is that He was washing His disciples' feet. You know, and I believe that this is an important piece to the church. That if we ever want to be leaders, that we should be servants first. You know that, and through serving, you know God has changed me and healed me and, and, and sharpened me and. and Strengthened my character and taught me to endure that just sitting in a seat wouldn't have done that. And there's been many a times that I've wanted to quit and God just keeps telling me, come on, let's do this. That he wants these elders and deacons to lead and to serve in the ministries of the church. You know, and he, he wants them to, to, to have the character that other people are, are drawn to them. So often that I, you know, people, you know, give themselves titles in the church. Well, I'm an evangelist and I'm a prophet and I'm a teacher and I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm a deacon and I'm an elder. You know, but when God does something, it means that you're already moving in that way. You know, it's not about a name badge. It's not about a title. It's about that when God called me to be a pastor, that means to be a shepherd. That means to, to, Cover people. It means to help people. It means to draw people in. It means to protect people from wolves. It means to, you know, be someone who is there, constantly sitting in the in the meadow, you know, when nothing else and no one else is around. It's it's willing to to have that role in someone's life. You know. You know. So often we think that pastors have glorious jobs. It's not true. You know, it's a lot of work. You know, if you look up the statistics that many pastors quit, you know, that it's one of the leading jobs for depression because it's a difficult job. You know, trying to help people to change when they don't really want to change. Like, wee, this is fine. You know, but it, to me, I'm a signpost. I can't control or change or behavior modify any of you. I point to Jesus. You want Jesus? I'm standing here and am like, this is the way we go. And let's do it together. You know, this is what I did. This is what happened. This is what, you know, it's like now. You know, I can share my testimony. I can use Scripture. But in the end, I'm pointing to Jesus. He's the solution. GZM is not the solution. Tom is not the solution. Jesus will always be the solution. You know, and if you are around me enough, you'll hear me say, pray about it. Pray and obey. You know, I'll give you my two cents, you know, <clears throat> use as much scripture as I possibly can remember, you know, and at the end of it, pray. Did you pray about it? No. Do that first. Then, then let's talk. You know, what's Jesus telling you? Well, Jesus is telling me that. Well, then you, that's what you should do. Well, what do you think? Doesn't matter what I think. You know, so I think that it's important that we are able to, you know, point to Jesus. You know, I believe that I'm a road sign. You know, if you read me, you should be able to read Jesus. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But if you follow me, where are we heading? We're hopefully we're heading to Jesus. You know, that a long time ago, God showed me that I'm a seed planter. I'm planting seeds. You know, I'm planting as many seeds as possible. You know, there's sometimes I'm just planting so many seeds that it's like some of them aren't even getting in the ground. It's like, I'm planting seeds, Jesus. This is what you told me to do. You know, and sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, water some of those seeds that other people have planted. But one thing God told me a long time ago is, I'm the one that brings the increase. It has nothing to do with you, Tom. Check Jesus. It's all about you. Well, there's 20 people here. There's three people here. That's the amount of people that Jesus wanted here. And I've had to come to terms with it's never about numbers. It's always about Jesus. You know, and so often we make it about numbers, that we make it about my title, we make it about glorifying myself. And I'll never do that to the best of my ability. I will always point people to Jesus. You know, that GZM is, is a, a ministry that's helping people find Jesus and that He comes into their heart and He begins to change them. That it's not about, you know, our structure, our rules. GZM is a ministry, it's a tool, we use the steps, the steps is a tool. But above all that, it's your relationship with Jesus. It's your time in your word. It's the Holy Spirit moving in your life that heals your heart and renews your mind. It really has nothing to do with me. That I'm just a man in the midst of this. I'm just a cog in the machine of Jesus. You know, And I will do my best to point to him as much as possible and represent him to the best of my ability and preach the word to the best of my ability. And I'm a man and I will make mistakes. And if you're alright with that, keep coming. If you're not, we can check, but I will never be perfect ever. That Paul goes on and he's, he's talking about family and that, that we should demonstrate the ability to lead churches, you know, because of our ability to lead our families. And that's what an elder should be. And that's what a deacon should be that they should be leading their families well. That if you're leading your family well, then you should be able to lead somebody in the church well, you know, and he's making this parallel that that when we lead our families well and then we're leading the church well, that we're leading God's family well, that we're all a body of Christ, that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're all family, you know, and that's a big thing to me is that each one of us, we're family, you know, that, you know, I'm, down and, and doing stuff with you. You know, I don't try to, to be that, that guy that's pointing and saying, you do this, you do this, and I'm not. You know, I try to serve right along with each and every person and to the best of my ability. So as this, you know, Jesus is is using Paul to demonstrate what healthy family is what should look like. You know, and that this should be a consistent, you know, man or consistent woman you know, that it shouldn't be somebody that's, you know, blown from, you know, teaching to teaching and one minute they're on fire and the next minute they're, where'd they go? I don't know. You know, and then, then they're back again and they're ready to, you know, I got a word from God. And it's like, no, it's the stability, it's the consistency, it's the persistence, it's the serving that says, Hey, I belong to Jesus. You know, and he's using this to say that that's what family's like. Families should always be there for each other. Now, most of us, have not had the greatest families. Okay? So when we look at our own family and we're like, well, wait a minute, family is like the worst thing that I can say. You know, the people that have hurt me the worst are my family. You know, the people that said that they loved me and then hurt me are my family. God's ways are not our ways. You know, that most of us have had screwed up relationships with our fathers if we have any relationship with our father at all. But yet, God is our father. You know, and so, for a long time, that was a difficult thing for me to accept. You know, I'm like, okay, you can take the father stuff and shove it. I'm just going to pay attention to Jesus. But as Jesus kept reflecting and glorifying the Father, I kept running into this teaching me like, no, I don't want to accept that. I just need Jesus. And then there's a little bit of Holy Spirit, and it started getting weird. And I'm like, I don't want that either. I just need Jesus. And then Jesus started showing me like, no, this is who I am. You know, I am Spirit. And I am father and I am son. You know, and all parts of that bring this togetherness, this unity, this, you know, inseparable, you know, trinity of the Godhead. And at some point I realized that I have a hard time with God because I have this resentment towards my biological father. You know, and then God started telling me that I had to forgive and I'm like, I don't want to forgive. And he's like, well, you don't have to. But most likely you're going to end up, you know, forgiving at some point. And I'm like, no. But eventually as I want more Jesus, I run into grace. You can't separate Jesus and grace. Like there's no way to like get Jesus and not get grace. Like that's the point of Jesus is grace. So as I press into Jesus and grace begins to come, I realize that I am forgiven for stuff that I shouldn't be forgiven for. That means I get this opportunity to give grace away to people that don't deserve it because I don't deserve it. That the second I accepted Jesus, did I become perfect? No. Thanks to Jesus. That I don't have to be perfect and get some Jesus. That I can be a broken sinner, making messes, making, you know, decisions that are screwed up and I continue to make the same mistakes again and guess what? I get grace. That doesn't mean that truth doesn't come. But I get grace. So in that, I've learned that I have to give grace away to people that don't deserve it because I don't deserve it. You know, and then through that, God started to heal this wound that was in there by my father and mother. You know, some of us have deep wounds from our mothers and deep wounds from our fathers and God kind of represents them to a child. The basic characteristics of God are implemented by our parents. And when the two parents aren't in the home in a covenant in marriage, that that instantly starts to get broken. And some of us have this broken idea of what family is. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to be. I'm never getting married. I don't want kids. And then Jesus starts to show up in my life, and I'm like, I cry over kids. Like, I never liked kids. But then Jesus started doing this thing in me and teaching me grace and teaching me love. You know, and now, lo and behold, I get to be a father to the fatherless. You know, and he uses me as an example. And I try to to represent Jesus to the best of my ability. And he he puts me in people's lives to to be there and to be a consistent, loving person as I I represent the father to the best of my ability. And that's only Jesus' work inside of me. Has that characteristic come out? Because I never would have done it before Jesus. Ever. That wasn't in there. That was only implemented and put in there as a gift from God. As we represent Jesus to the best of our ability, our character begins to grow and we begin to heal. And the people around us begin to heal. And the people around us are drawn into Jesus. Because they start to see that it's not about the church, it's not about religion, it's not about the rules, it's not about what idiots begin to speak. And, and It's about this love of Christ. That as we can figure out the love of Christ, everything else begins to fall away. It was one of the hardest things to me is coming to, to become a Christian is realize that I will spend the rest of my life around Christians. <laughs> Because there is no one that's turned people away from Jesus better than Christians have. There is no one that has represented Jesus poorly better than Christians have. And yet now I am one. So I am doing the best that I can to represent Him to the best that I can. And I won't do it perfectly. But hopefully I will admit it when I make mistakes. And I will surrender myself to the the Word of God and say... I have wronged you. I'm sorry. And there's some of you in this room that I've done that to and you know that I do it. Because I'm not perfect. I don't ever take this stance and I know it all to the best of my ability. However, there's principles that I live by that are true because they're biblical. You know, that we live by these principles in all of our affairs. You know, that as we represent Him... And we represent family to the best of our ability that Paul begins to, to represent, you know, and speak to Timothy that, that we represent Jesus' incarnation. We represent his death. We represent his resurrection, his exaltation as king and that we spread, you know, this new family throughout the world that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't other people that came before us that tried to live The gospel to the best of their ability. You know, when you really look at the statistics of it, that there was one Jesus and he changed the world in such an enormous way that it it changed time. It changed the date. And then from then, 11 men, add Paul, 12 men have represented Jesus to the point that there is millions upon millions upon millions of people that say they belong and believe in Jesus Christ. That's not possible. You know, and that we see people come back to life. We see people that are resurrected from the dead. We see people that are changed because of what Jesus is doing in their lives. And then it's this new family that we represent Jesus to the best of our ability Honoring him as the true king. The king over every other king. That Timothy helps us to have this clear vision of the church. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to us as believers is it shapes us and shapes the community that we live in. And as we live for Jesus in the, in the community that we live in, and that community represents Jesus, that it should influence the city. That it should influence the city. That when we, we stand on our beliefs and we, we point to Jesus, that we're constantly critiqued. We're constantly, you know, degraded. We're constantly, you know, put in these positions where people persecute us, but we're forged by that. You know, that when we stand for what Jesus is, you know, when people accuse us and people persecute us and we still stand there and we try to love people to the best of our ability, it confuses them. Because normally we should push back hate. And we just say, you don't get it. I understand you don't get it. Because I didn't get it either. I didn't think this was real. I thought this was mumbo-jumbo. I thought this was fake. And then I came into this understanding that Jesus is real. His power came. And He began to heal me from the inside out. That no one could ever take that away. And each one of us has to have a story that says, Jesus changed my life. Because if it's just about going to church or just because your mom or your daddy was a Christian, that their day will come and you'll say, I don't want anything to do with that. But when Jesus got in here and He began to change us from the inside out, no one can take that away from you. No one can take that away from us. That it's important that we, we live out to the Scriptures to the best of our ability, that we share the good news about Jesus, That how the church moves into the public realms and serves the broken people. That if the church is about getting richer and it's all about give me money, that's not the right church, and it represents Jesus very poorly. That the church should be in the in the streets and it should be helping the broken, should be helping the poor, should be helping the widows, should be helping the disenfranchised, should be helping the addicts, should be helping the alcoholics, be helping the homeless, and and just do it because we want to serve Jesus. That there was another false teaching in here that there was men that would. You know, tell other people that they had the the better version of the gospel and then he would make them pay for it. And Paul begins to address that. And then there's elderly men running around drunk all the time and Paul begins to address that. And there's women running around having sex with all these different people and Paul begins to address that. That when we begin to allow scripture to change our lives, that it begins to glorify Jesus, not what we do. You know, and many of us have fallen short and many of us have messed up and many of us have sinned and many of us have have done things that people said are bad and and we are ashamed of. But Jesus has the ability to get in there and heal it. And that when we let Jesus in, things begin to change. That we realize that how important it is for us to have a relationship with Jesus. And how important it is for us to live with, to the best of our ability with integrity. You know, that that I represent Jesus no matter where I go, good or bad. You know, and there's days that I've represented Him poorly. That's why I do not have any Jesus bumper stickers on my car. I'm just saying. Turn people away to the gospel because of the way I drive. Like, nope, you're not going to know that this is a Jesus mobile. But I have bobblehead Jesus on my dashboard who's dancing as we drive. You know, it's important that we represent Jesus to the best of our ability. You know, and there's days that we're going to make mistakes, okay? You know, and that we're going to lose our temper, and we're going to say things, and we're going to do things. And we should allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to to get us to apologize to those people, or go back to apologize to those people. Because that will confuse them, and they'll say, that's weird, I've never had that happen before. You know... The more that we are influenced and obedient to the Holy Spirit, He will put us in positions that are very uncomfortable. You know, and it's to glorify Him. It's not ever to glorify ourselves. You know, and that people should see that we're devoted. We're devoted to Jesus. That it's not, oh, I I go to church. Oh, I believe. That doesn't mean anything to me. It really doesn't mean anything to me. I've run into people in church. I've run into people that say they believe and they don't believe in Jesus. And they might be going to church, but they still don't understand Jesus. And that's okay. We're all on our, our path. You know what I mean? But just because I go to church or just because I say I believe in Jesus doesn't mean that I know Jesus and doesn't mean that I, I'm trying to represent Him to the best of my ability. You know? And that's why I had a hard time with Jesus growing up is because of what I saw growing up as a kid. As we went to church and I went home, I didn't see Jesus at home. I saw I saw a church. We went to church. Gotta go to church. Gotta be there at church. I didn't see Jesus. You know, and Jesus just became another story, just like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus and all the rest of them. Just a fairy tale. But then in my brokest place, Jesus came and got me. Just as he has each and every one of us. Each one of us has a story how Jesus came into our lives at just that right moment and it was not a pretty day and things began to change. Will you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing in each one of our lives. Lord, I, I pray that you would move. You would move in here. You would help us to understand how much you love us and that you want to heal us and you want to correct us and you want to change us. you know. And you bring people across our path to help us to see the goodness of God and you help us to to try to understand grace when it, it makes no sense to us sometimes. That you love us in spite of ourselves. That you reach into our darkness and you pull us out even when we don't believe in you. You set your story up before we ever believed in you. You come and get us. Lord, and when we look back at it, we see how your hand has been moving in our lives that we never saw before because we didn't know you. We didn't know how you work. and We didn't know your voice. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to our hearts, bring healing to our minds, bring healing to our families, and help us to know that you're good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, many, amen. amen.